Hello, Arzu. Hi, Jaina. Welcome to Big Lash Energy. Thank you for having me. Of course. I really wanted the opportunity to introduce you to our PLE besties. Sounds good to me. I feel like they don't know who you are yet. Well, let's tell them who I am. Hello and welcome to another episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm here with a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi guys, my name is Arzu. <laughs> this is Arzu, she's someone who's very special to me and I wanted to introduce her to my BLE besties. How would you describe, who are you to me? I'm Arzuskis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are Arzuskis, it's true. If somebody asks you who I am, what do you say to them? That's the lady with the dogs next door. <laughs> are you serious? I'm the lady with the dogs. I feel like that's Jaina. She's helped me through a lot. She's helped me get on my feet again. She's helped me take school serious. Uh-huh. I was a little menace. Uh-huh. Is that in the past? That's done now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, if someone were to ask me who Jaina is, I'd say that's someone very special to me. Someone who's, you know, she's she's like an older sister to me, like a mom. Oh, yes. <laughs> I want to give a little backstory, like how we got to this point. Okay. And then would you be willing to come back next week to let me interview you? A hundred percent. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. That's me, the lady with the dogs next door. How did I end up here? Well, when I moved into this neighborhood, it wasn't under the best conditions at all. At the time, I'd been forced to sell the place that I loved. And in order for you to fully understand how much it meant to me, I'll start at the beginning. There's a time I was living in a freezing cold basement suite. The owners of the house lived upstairs and refused to turn the heat on. I knew that they were hip to the fact that I was freezing my tits off because every time we'd cross paths with each other, they'd say something like, How are you? Are you cold? Are you, are you cold? Are you good? Eventually, I resorted to sleeping with the oven on high with its door propped wide open, wearing my house coat with all of my pillows and towels piled up on top of me. This was a far cry from the brand new condo that I'd owned with my ex-husband before living here, the one overlooking the ocean. I was so done with renting. I went to the bank to see if I could get approved for a mortgage, and the bank manager said, you're a single woman who works for herself. I couldn't even give you a loan for $5,000 if I wanted to. I felt so embarrassed. I'd been making decent money, but I'd also been giving it all to my ex who paid the bills for us. So I hadn't exactly had the chance to build up my credit. I mentioned this to one of my friends and she reminded me that we knew a mortgage broker. So I reached out to her and she said that she had a lender for me, but I'd have to keep track of everything I made all summer and prove that I came up with the down payment myself. Have you ever heard that saying that in order to borrow money first, you have to prove you don't actually need it? <laughs> yeah. So I did it. I worked all summer. I saved every nickel and dime. And once I was ready with a down payment, it was time to find a place. My mom came for a weekend so that we could go looking for properties. I had a lineup of condos that I wanted to visit, but there was one in particular that already felt like it could be home to me. 
something about the pictures called my name. Oh, and it also just happened to be on a street called Princess Crescent. So that played a really big part in it too. Back then, being a bridal makeup artist was basically my identity. So I was excited at the prospect of getting to tell my clients that they were coming to meet with me on Princess Crescent. My mom and I spent the entire day looking at properties, but I'd saved the condo on Princess Crescent for last. When we finally pulled up, she laughed as I sprinted to the door and she goes, why are you running? I said, because I know this is the place that's supposed to be my home. For some reason, I felt it in my gut that this is where I was supposed to be. The place did not let me down. It was a bright, humble one bedroom on the ground level with a little garden yard and a covered patio. It was all I needed. I made an offer and then waited in anticipation until I got a call from my real estate agent. He said that unfortunately, six other people had made offers and the sellers went in another direction. So in other words, I didn't get the place. By the time I found out, my mom was already back in Kelowna, so I fought tears as I told her over the phone. She said, you know what your pops always told you? There's always going to be something else. I said, well, I don't want anything else. This was supposed to be my place. The following week, my agent arranged a bunch more tours, and with every condo I saw, I got more upset that I never got the one on Princess Crescent. He said, what's wrong? I said, I can't look anywhere else because I know that place on Princess is my home. He said, listen, I think you're going to have to let that place go. But I couldn't. Well, I guess I wouldn't. I said, I just feel like in my gut, that's where I'm supposed to be. He tried his hardest not to roll his eyes, but I swear only three minutes passed when his phone rang. A look of shock came over his face as he hung up. He said, well, I guess you were right. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the people who were going to buy the place couldn't remove the subjects because they needed the bathroom to have enough space for a wheelchair. So you want to try again? The life came back into my eyes. Without hesitation, I said, yes, make the offer $5,000 higher and change the possession date to be whenever the seller wants it to be. My agent said, "Uh, I don't think that you can do that. I was actually his first ever client. He was the husband of one of my brides, so he hadn't done any kind of deals like this before. But I said, yes, you can. I want my offer to be as perfect for them as I can make it. They might have another six offers again, and I want mine to be the best. So he wrote up my offer and surprise, surprise, they accepted The only problem was they accepted it because my possession date was open and they were waiting for their new home to be built and had no idea how long it was going to take. So I might have to wait three to nine months before I'd be able to move in. I didn't mind. The place was worth it. I was essentially homeless during the time that I waited. I stayed with friends and had most of my clothes and belongings in my car. It felt like forever, but after eight months, my move-in date was finally just around the corner. Then the night before I was supposed to get possession, I got a frantic phone call from my realtor. He said, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, your building is on fire right now. Hopefully there isn't too much damage to your unit. My heart sank. I didn't know what to do, but drive across town to see it for myself. As I drove, I pictured myself having to spend another three, six, nine months to a year sleeping on people's couches, waiting for them to rebuild my place. I couldn't believe this was happening to me. 
As I got closer, I could see the smoke and flames in the distance. My eyes filled with tears as I braced myself for the worst. I turned the corner onto Princess Crescent and saw that it was the building directly behind mine that was actually the one on fire. My realtor probably should have looked into this before causing me so much stress, right? Like maybe double, triple check your facts before telling somebody that their house is on fire. Anyways, I sat in my car watching the smoke. So, so, so thankful that he was wrong. The next day was my move-in day and the cleanup crews were already doing damage control at the building next door. I turned the key and with that, all the weight of uncertainty, the burden of feeling like I needed to rely on others dropped off of my shoulders. A wave of relief came over me. I finally had my place. I did three laps of the condo, laughing and crying at the same time, like a crazy person, until my knees finally gave out and I sat on the floor and cried harder. Finally, I was home. That place really was perfect for me. It was in the most beautiful neighborhood. There was a lake only a half a block away, a community center with a wave pool directly across the street, a river with walking trails right behind me, and cute cafes on every corner. What more could I ask for? I carefully selected every piece of furniture and decorative detail to make it feel like my own. It was my little castle on Princess Crescent. Years passed. Life had its ups and downs. Well, actually, more downs than ups. I got married, divorced, dated, heartbroken, all kinds of things in that place. But that condo was the one thing that stayed consistent. It was the spot that I could relax and be myself. Growing up, my family had flipped houses, so we moved a lot. But this place was the one I'd lived in the longest. Finally, somewhere really felt like home. Then, after 10 years of being there, COVID hit. Did you hear about that thing? <laughs> that little that little pandemic that happened? Things were shut down, and because of the close physical nature of doing hair and makeup, as well as the concerns of having groups together for weddings, I was legally mandated not to work. And as if that wasn't bad enough, it all happened in March, right at the end of my slow season. So typically right when my savings were completely depleted, or in other words, right when I needed money the most. I was so stressed, as I'm sure everyone else was. I never in my lifetime had I imagined that the government would say something like, hey, you know that thing that you do in order to feed yourself and pay your bills? Yeah, you can't do that anymore. In addition to this, in the decade that I lived in the place, I decided to stop having my clients come to my home and instead was leasing a retail space. But because of the pandemic, the company that I was leasing from said that they had to close up their operations. So now I have no work and nowhere to do my job once things open up again. It felt like the rug had been pulled out from underneath me. And after a couple of months, Money was super tight and there was no end in sight. I started to look for an evacuation plan. That's when I remembered that because I'd lived in my place for so long, the value had gone up and now if I sold it, I could take the equity out and I would have a nice big chunk of money to help me get by while I couldn't work. The value of real estate had gone up so much over the 10 years that I'd lived there that I probably also wouldn't be able to afford to buy again. And now I had a dog I'd never rented before and I had no clue if I'd be able to find a decent spot that would let me have him. There were just so many unknowns. The thought of losing my place had me devastated and 
that's what I knew for the past 10 years. The place I really considered home. It was my safe zone, my comfort. So I called my friend Elsa crying. I said, you know what? I think I have to sell my place. I can't believe it. I don't want to leave. She cut me off and said, are you kidding me? Life has been terrible for you there. You've been literally living in the Heartbreak Hotel. As soon as she said that, my mind scrolled through the Rolodex of heartbreak that I'd been through in the time that I'd lived there. Oh, it was terrible from the very beginning. I'd been seeing someone at the time that I moved in, but a week before I got the place, he said that he was going to have to make a trip back home to Kentucky in order to get some of his affairs orders. And I was so excited for him to come back and enjoy the place with me that the first thing I did before even putting any furniture in there was I put pictures of the two of us all over the place, some taped to the fridge, some framed on the wall. But shortly after I moved in, I found out from his roommate that he hadn't even seen him because he'd been with another woman since the night he got back. After that, it only got worse. Next up, a husband moved in with me who left me there alone crying all the time and then left me officially. Then came D. I'm sure you heard the trilogy all about him. I cried so many nights stressing over his ass. Plus, I lost two babies in that home too. And one was actually buried in the path behind the building. I was assaulted while I lived there. And I was also a part of a huge public scandal. Elsa was right. While I loved the place itself, it had been a terrible 10 years. Acknowledging that didn't make the thought of leaving easier. It's kind of like a fly who's sitting on shit. It stinks, but it's a smell he's used to, so he doesn't know anything different. For me, the thought of the unknown was worse. Could I find a place that would let me have a dog? Would I be able to afford the now much higher rent prices? What if my rent goes way up and I burn through my savings before the pandemic ends? Will I be able to own a place ever again? Most of all, how do I sell this condo in the middle of a lockdown? At the time I came up with this brilliant idea of selling my place, nobody was going anywhere. Just leaving the house was considered a gamble. So open houses weren't an option. I would have to rely on virtual tours or who knew what. But my biggest question was, where would I live? Where would I live? I googled pet-friendly rentals and a website popped up of a building in a neighborhood about 20 minutes from where I was. I called the number on the website to see if they had any units left and the person on the phone said, actually, our website just went live today. If you come by and check out the building, you will have your choice of any unit that you want. They didn't have to say anything more than that. Immediately, I packed up my dog and we made a trip over there. Once I got there, the agent gave me a tour and the decision was easy. I chose the biggest unit on the ground floor that happened to also be the only one with a huge wraparound patio area. It was sparkling new. It had a second bedroom that I could use for my client meetings and it was super convenient for my dog and I. I said, I love this unit. This is the one I know that I want, but first I need to sell my place. The agent said, I understand times are tricky right now. If you want, we can put your name on it for a month so you can figure out your other place. I was excited and now that I knew I'd have somewhere else to live, I was ready to put my spot on the market. I called my realtor and told her that I wanted to list my place and she was thrilled probably because she needed the work too. 
Well, weeks and weeks went by without any traction at all. I was thankful for the other place for letting me call dibs on the new condo, but I wasn't sure how long they were going to wait for. We priced my place for a quick sale and still nothing. My realtor assured me that if we weren't in a pandemic, my condo would have probably only lasted two weeks on the market, but that wasn't the case right now. This was a very different situation. Then it happened. I got a call from the new building. Hi, I'm calling in relation to the place that you looked at. The unit you wanted is by far the most popular one that we've got, and I have no way of knowing that you're serious. So I know you have a place you need to sell, but in order for me to solidify this deal, I'm going to need a month and a half's rent and a signed contract with a move-in date. Yes. Yes. My mortgage in my old place was so low because I'd bought it 10 years prior. Uh, So I was only paying $900 a month for my mortgage, but this new spot was almost $3,000 a month. That meant that they were going to need $5,000 upfront and the promise that I was going to move in in two months. What did this mean? Well, it meant that I only had two months to sell my place or I was going to be paying for both places and at a time when I had no work at all. And before getting my money from selling the property, it was a recipe for complete financial ruin. I talked to my mom about it. She said, you need this place, Jaina. It's perfect for you. I'll lend you the $5,000 and you can pay me back once you've made your money from selling the place. I was doing my best trying not to have a panic attack. The thought of my bills going up so high was already stressful enough on its own, never mind the fact that there was a very high probability that I'd be paying the new rent and the old mortgage for God knows how long without work. I spent a day thinking about it. This was a major gamble because even if I sold my place magically in this dry ass market, the buyer might not even want possession until three or six months later, which would mean that I'd be paying for two places until then and without any money in my savings. I thought about my life. I thought about all the ways that God had had my back. All the times I thought my life was falling apart, but it was falling into place. I decided that this would be the The ultimate. ultimate test of faith. faith. I thought, I'm going to take a step off the cliff and believe that I'm going to be okay. Now, forgive me as I give a little bit of a sermon here, but the way I see it is you can either have faith or you have fear. You can't have both at the same time. If you're stressed, worried, or hanging on for dear life, you aren't believing that God or the universe has your back. Did you ever do those trust falls in high school? You know, where they say, can you close your eyes, let go and fall backwards knowing that the ones who love you will never let you hit the ground? Well, having faith in God or the universe is like that. But with faith, you're doing it without even being able to see who's going to catch you. But I did it. I told myself, I'm going to manifest the fuck out of this shit. I'm going to close my eyes fall back and trust that I'm going to be okay. In fact, as scary as it is, I'm not even going to let myself stress. So I did it. I paid the money that I borrowed from my mom and I signed a contract saying that I was going to be moving in in two months. Then despite how much I usually try to control everything around me, this time I let go. Finally, 
I had a viewing in my condo. That day I staged my place, cleaned every nook and cranny. And at the time that the people came to look at it, I packed my dog in my car and we drove to the new place. I walked up to the window, stared at the beautiful kitchen and told Apollo, look buddy, this is gonna be where we're gonna live. I wanted to put my body and my energy where I planned on being, to set my intentions there. I sat on that patio the whole time. And don't forget, I wasn't working, so let's be real, I had nothing better to do anyways. <laughs> Unfortunately, the realtor got back to me saying that they loved the spot, but couldn't afford it. Two weeks went by with nothing until we finally had another viewing, and this time I did the exact same thing. I packed Apollo up into my car, and we sat on the patio of the place I wanted to move to. My mom checked in afterwards. So, any luck? I said, no, I don't think so. She said, are you all right? I said, yeah, why? She goes, oh, well, this is a lot of pressure for you to sell your place right now. You're on a serious time crunch. I said, oh, yeah, but God's done bigger things for me before. It's going to be fine. I'm pretty sure low-key my mom was afraid she wasn't going to get her $5,000 back, but I made my mind up. I was choosing faith over fear. Then there was the third viewing. Again, same story, except this time they told my realtor that they were going to make an offer. I knew enough about real estate to know that this might not mean anything. They had a whole bunch of subjects, which are things they want to check over before they'd complete the sale. And wow, some of them were super lame. Like they went through the strata minutes for the last five years and said, hey, four years ago, your strata minutes said that they might replace one of the balconies in the building. Well, we want some money off of your condo in case my client has to pitch in for that. There was so much back and forth and I knew that so many things could go wrong and who knows when they'd want the completion date to go through in case you don't know the completion date is the day that I actually get my money. We were only two and a half weeks away from my move-in date to the new place. So it was looking more likely than not that I was going to have at least a couple months of paying for both places, but at least I had a potential buyer on the horizon. I figured if the case was that I had to pay for both places, my parents could lend me more money because they would at least know that as soon as the sale went through, I could pay them back. After three days of back and forth, my realtor called me to say that my condo sold. It's sold. And here's the kicker. They chose the completion date to be June 1st. June 1st, which was the very same day I was moving into my new place. Can you imagine that? Out of 365 days in the year they could have chosen, they wanted to close everything off, send all the money to my bank account on the day I was moving into my new condo. So in other words, as soon as my bills went up exponentially, I was going to have $100,000 in the bank. I would have already been thankful for just simply selling the place in this crappy market, even if it meant that I had to pay for two spots for a few months. But the fact that the dates matched up so perfectly had me shook. I felt seen. It felt like God looked right at me and said, I got you. Now, I have this thing that's called blessed to be a blessing. So as a thank you for the blessing, I wanted to pay it forward. So I'd heard of another family where the father had lost his job as a dance instructor because of the pandemic. He and his wife had three boys and they needed a new roof on their house. I finally had the means to be able to help them. So I sent an e-transfer for $5,000, kind of as a thank you to God for what he had done for me. 
Because if I'm extra blessed, I believe it's because I'm supposed to pass some of that blessing onto someone else. Anyways, tell me that didn't feel like a wink from the universe. It almost felt like I was being extra rewarded for how much faith I had. And as resistant as I'd been to move, as soon as I spent my first night in the place, it felt like a weight had been lifted. It was like I'd moved out from under the clouds of negativity that I was living under in my old place. That bad juju was gone. Now I had a fresh start. I wasn't sitting amongst the shit anymore. I could look forward, focus on what was next. There had to be a reason for me to be here. Enter Arzu. Two weeks after moving into my place, a little girl and her friend rolled up to my patio on scooters. I was outside on my patio with Apollo, I only had one dog at the time, and he caught their attention. They asked if they could pet him, and of course I said yes. After a couple of minutes, they were on their way. The next day, they came back again. I guess the curb at the corner that I lived on was perfect for them to practice their little tricks. But again, they spotted Apollo, and this time I was familiar, so they came over right away. They decided that they would talk as they got to know Apollo. Arzu said, Do you live here alone? I said, Yes. Really? You have this big place all to yourself? I never really thought of it as big before. I mean, it was a bit bigger than my tiny condo, but I said, Yes, I do. She said, So you don't have any kids? I said, No. I don't. But for some reason, I was feeling open that day. I said, well, actually, I almost had a baby one time. I was going to name her Grace. I held up the edge of my hand where her name is tattooed. Both girls looked shocked. They weren't expecting me to say something so serious. Then they whispered to each other for a little bit, and Arzu piped up. Would you like a daughter? What do you mean? Me. I was confused. She said, I lost my mom when I was five years old. I'm not sad about it anymore because, you know, it happened a long time ago and I'm used to it now, but I know that now I'm growing up and I'm going to be needing a lady in my life to help me and teach me. In that moment, I felt like I'd been the first one picked for the team. I'd always wanted to adopt and I had extra space. She seemed sweet enough and hell, even if she wasn't, I knew I could handle it. I wanted to scream, yes, I'll be your mom. But then I remember that that's not how the world worked. So I asked her about her home life. She said she lived just on the other side of the park with her dad and two brothers. And I said, so you have someone who loves you. I can't take you from them. Her gaze lowered. I said, listen, I live so close to you. I'll give you my phone number. I can't be your mom officially, but I can be here for anything you need from me. She said, thank you. She took my number and later that night I got a text. She said, so, um, have you given it any thought? I said, what's that? She said, if you want to be my mom, I'll clean around the house. I won't make a mess. I'm very helpful. My heart was breaking for her. I said, I'd love to adopt you, but that's not how the world works. It's not about if I want to. It's just that I can't, but I'll always be here for you. Two months later, it was her 13th birthday. I knew it was a big deal to her and that it was something that a mom usually takes care of. So... I threw her a party. Now, this week, she turns 16. In the three years we've been in each other's lives, we've both been through so much, but we've had each other to lean on. I'm not going to focus on the struggles she's been through out of privacy for her family, but she did lose one of her brothers in a shooting just eight months ago, amongst other things. Arzu is my reason. 
we were meant to find each other. And I'm pretty sure that she's exactly the reason why the stars lined up when I found this place. I was the answer to her prayers and she was the answer to mine. If we rewind back to the start of the pandemic, a scared, broke, brokenhearted Jaina who'd been through so much loss, I had no idea that there was a little girl waiting for me just on the other side of those clouds. And in her darkest moments, when she was afraid of puberty coming on the way or feeling like nobody could relate to her problems, she had no idea that this lady with a dog was going to move in next door. Next week, I'm going to introduce you officially to Arzu. We're going to sit down for a little talk about our friendship and what we've been through in the last three years. She's a very special girl, or now I should say young lady, and I can't wait for you to properly meet her. She's not just the little girl who lives down the street. Once you hear her story, you'll realize that she's another little Bielli Bastie. Bastie. Thank you so much for pressing play today. Hopefully you like this story and I know you're going to love next week's episode. So if you know someone who could use a little BLE in their life, could you pretty please share this story with them? I hear every time you do, a little girl gets a good role model in her life. It's true. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Now, please go be your most fabulous self. And don't forget to spread that badass Big Lash energy everywhere you go. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.
There's no time to waste. Would you make me up? Could you make me up right now?